tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Let's welcome our A-team guest, a beautiful Jackie Pamuza, who's an award-winning uh, author, and uh, she's an all-round beautiful person who's uh, always willing to share with us her great uh, wealth of information. Jackie, good evening. Good evening. How are you? You're sounding fresh. You're sounding good. Ah, well, I'm well. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Just in the midst of exams, but all is well. We missed you last week, and uh, Ben did mention that it's exam time for you. How's that going? Yes, it's exam time. So I'm a student in UDSA. I'm I'm studying criminology. So with us, it's every week, every week, in and out, in and out. And then you still have work to do in between all of that so we're pushing through i've got two more weeks to go so i just hope i make it <laughs> you will with, 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 with studies it's a, it's a touch and go you just have to make sure that you do read what you need to do you know what you need to read for exams but yeah. we, we are on it i'll probably sleep at four o'clock today oh my goodness jackie <laughs> i hope you are taking care of yourself eating well resting when you can Yes, I am. Absolutely. Gym and a little bit of a nap here and there works wonders. Excellent. Excellent, Jackie. Today we're talking about uh, are we parenting through our trauma? So are we forcing our children to do certain things or prohibiting them from doing certain things because of our own personal experiences and traumas as we were growing up? Um, Set the context for us. So basically, when we were young, we were not allowed to visit certain people because of their behavior. And that we obviously, as children, you're very aloof to the reasons as to why were you not allowed to go maybe to a certain person's house and you were told not to eat when you're there. You're told, okay, after this hour, you need to come back. But in hindsight, our parents had traumatic experiences with was probably food poisoning, the apartheid system, their own childhood traumas, maybe getting molested at so-and-so's house. So without them realizing, they were passing on that trauma to us where we are so hyper um, when it comes to our children maybe going to a friend's or a sleepover. I know there's a lot of parents who say, I'll never let my child go for a sleepover until they maybe have gone through or past 16 or 18 years old because they're scared of what might happen to their children when they're out. Um, but that is also a reflection of maybe you are what um, you are teaching your children to be fearful of life, whereas they don't know what's going on outside. But maybe it's your own personal trauma. So when I when I was most probably what 12 or, or 11. My dad hated the idea of having male friends, so we would not al- we were not allowed to have male friends even come over or sleep over or anything like that. Um, and I really honestly didn't understand why. But as you grow up, you understand yes, there are issues of molestation. Maybe he was uncomfortable because he had seen so many things from the military side of his career. Uh, maybe he had his own trauma to say, okay, I don't want my daughters around males. Um, but when you do realize, when you do grow up and you think about those things and you ask yourself as a parent, 
What are the things that have been done to you that you feel that you need to protect your children from them experiencing the same thing? So therefore, they are not allowed to do certain things. They can only go to certain people. They can only go to certain restaurants. Maybe you had a bad experience at a restaurant where now something in you was triggered when you were there, and now you're prohibiting your children from attending certain events or or even things like funerals, family gatherings, where you're like, nah, if it's that specific family member, they're not going there. So that's the context of our conversation today. Are we parenting through our childhood trauma? So are we taking in what we have experienced and we're passing it on to our children, or we are teaching them differently by saying, okay, these are the precautions that you can take when you're going to visit a certain person, Call this number if you feel you're not safe, if you're not comfortable, if you want to come back home, this is what you need to do. Or we're just saying, no, no go zone area, you're not going there, you're not doing this at all, so you're going to stay home unless if I'm with you. You know, Jackie, I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm introspecting and thinking about my parenting style. And I don't think it comes from trauma, it comes from caution. Um, mm. For instance, my, my children know there's no sleepovers. No sleepovers. Um, purely because even if you say to a child, you know mommy's number and my children know my number by heart. You know mommy's mm. number, you can call mommy. There's no time between a rapist getting them or someone abducting them uh, and the time that they can reach their phone. There's no time in between. So for me, there is a rule, no sleepovers. Until you are at varsity, then I, free, you're an adult, you can even go to prison. (laughs) But as long as you are still underneath the roof, you're still in high school, you will not have a sleepover. And I also don't allow sleepovers at my place. Purely because if anything happens to that child, I am held responsible. And some mm, other things happen mm. outside of my, my, my vision, you know, so the, the child can get into a pool and drown. Um, and I'm making examples that are extreme here. And I've never experienced any of this. But because I understand the nature of raising children and our society and community now is way worse than what it was when I was growing up because I know that we could even, uh, you know, catch a taxi and go to town and you were only about 10. But right now, yes. my 12-year-old is we never to going to do that. Trained. Yes. But now mm. my, my 12-year-old will never do that because it is not safe. So sometimes I don't think it's trauma. Sometimes it's, it's, it's being cautious and looking at the times. But where I think then we might get it wrong and it might come from trauma is when we don't explain to our children why. And, and and when you explain to them and say, ah, ah, no, no, the sleepovers don't even consider, you can have play dates. Play dates are okay, um, you know, because you, you, you know it's during the day. But a prolonged period of time away from home could leave you vulnerable to so many things. And you explain them because our kids are actually very smart. But parents who have been traumatized and are now living through the trauma through their children, they, they, they sometimes are so fearful to talk about their experience. And then they just say, do or don't? Yeah, I think, honestly, it is through the communication and barriers where we, 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 we close off that communication and say, okay, just don't do this or just do that. And children are honestly curious. They're going to try to push the limits to see, okay, I'm just being told not to visit Tabelo, but what happens if I visit Tabelo? <laughs> you know, they will mm. always try to do that. 
But of course, when you look at the other side as well, some parents obviously are really negligent when it comes to their children. They drink excessive alcohol. They're not even home when the children are home. They just leave the children by themselves and they go out between 7 and they come back at 2 o'clock in the morning and they leave these kids unsupervised for five, six hours. Um, and you just, you just don't know what could happen, you know. Um, also, remember when we were young, when you were trying to test out a car and you don't know how to drive, and you, when your parents leave, you go into the car and you start the car and you're fascinated by this thing. And you're like, okay, they told me not to be in here, but because they're not here, I'm going to try it. So those kind of things are also very traumatic because I remember I had a cousin who actually bumped bumped into a taxi because he tried to start the car and then the car moved a little bit and went out of the driveway into the street and then he bumped a taxi. Mm. So those are the type of negligent <laughs> behaviors that parents put us under. But but honestly, when we take it back to the to the topic, are we really parenting from trauma? Are we really prohibiting our children? to live fruitful lives and have social lives because of our own skeletons and our own hurts and traumatic experiences without thinking that we might be passing on a generational curse by virtue of not communicating, by us not healing ourselves, by us not also making the child understand the world that we live in. Or we are just going to close all doors and say, okay, this is how you're going to live your life. Under my roof, this is what's going to happen. I'm not going to explain myself. You don't deserve to know. You're too young. You won't understand. And that's that. Are we doing that? Let's find out from our A-teamers. Uh, the lines are open on 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp 614 SMSs go to 41391. Our guest is Jackie Pamutse. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Closet Conversations. Are we parenting through our trauma? Is that what we are doing? This is the conversation we are having with Jackie Pamutze, who's an award-winning author, and uh, she is just helping us to understand how we should be navigating through our trauma when it comes to our children. Jackie, you know, we have set the landscape. Now we know where we are going. For parents who are saying, I identify, I have been parenting through my trauma, how do I now fix it? How am I going to fix this? How do I make amends? Oh, the best thing is honesty. Once you have identified your real triggers and what maybe you have gone through. For example, if you were raped as a child or molested, and now you've got a five-year-old daughter, eight, ten years old, and you fear for them, the best thing you can do is, number one, get help for your own trauma, which is a, a psychologist or psychiatrist, depending on how you feel and what medication you might need, whether maybe you're dealing with depression, anxiety, or any other mental illness or emotional um, incapabilities. Um, and also speak to your children and your partner so that everybody is involved in your healing. If you've got a partner who understands and who knows your history, then being there, becoming a support structure for you so that you can parent well and not parent from fear is also equally important. If you have that support structure, then trying to communicate with your children and let them know what are the dangers of life and how is life now. 
Yes, for a five-year-old, it's a bit extreme to, to so go, go into detail of your own experience and making them understand. But you teach them the important parts about their bodies. Okay, what, when somebody does this to you, you need to tell mommy. When somebody touches you here, you need to speak, find ways to communicate, right? That is the, the avenues that we can choose. But if we are silent and we just let this thing harbor inside of us, we end up lashing out on children and treating them unkindly with us, with us not even knowing that our behavior comes from childhood traumas, you know. And children feel and see your behavior as a parent that, okay, as a female, maybe, for example, if there's a male and a female and male child, the, the daughter will be treated differently as opposed to the boy child. So children can pick up that behavior and the, the way parents sort of choose to speak to them individually. That, okay, my brother gets a leeway to certain things and I don't. What's the reason? So having open communication channels with the children, finding a support structure, whether it's your partner or other family members who can support you in dealing with your trauma. Um, if possible, and you're able to get in an elder who will sort of be a mediator if you're struggling to tell your loved ones of what has happened to you. Because sometimes things happen and you were not able to open a case or you didn't get proper counseling at the time or you just need mental health um, advice for now, get somebody who can be sort of your anchor as you're going through the process. But it's important to speak and be open about it. And don't be fearful or shameful. Um, these things happen, unfortunately, in South Africa, where people get violated, or maybe it's a trauma from an accident when you were young, or somebody got shot in the family, and that trauma has stuck with you. So therefore... You are prohibiting your children from living a certain lifestyle because of those incidences that have happened in your life. So if the people who are around you get counseling, seek mental health um, facilities, and also speak to the people who are within your CASA conference. Let's go to the lines. Eighty Manjabula, good evening. Within your CASA conference. Let's go to the lines. Eighty Manjabula. I can't believe it. Njabulu, your radio is on and I really want to get you on air. Let's try it one more time. Please switch off your radio. Good evening, Jabulu. Hello? Yes, good evening. Njabulu? Hello? Good evening. Oh, my God. Hi, sister. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Please talk. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're speaking to Jabul. I'm listening to you, and I'm a first-time caller. Welcome. Please, next time, keep your radio off when you call in, okay? Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, I'm actually on the road. I, I did on my on my on my Bluetooth. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. No, what a what a lovely show. Yeah. No. Uh, what I'd like to say is that uh, I think the way uh, uh, the, we we the, we we grow, we grow up is uh, what's gonna determine. I think. Uh, uh, the way uh, we, with our kids, our kids uh, grow up, you know. Mm. Yeah, because you know when you have got like a traumatic experience growing up, and then that that becomes a bit destructive. You know, Njabulu, I've heard some men, especially, say, 
I never want to be a father the way my father fathered me. I want to be a better yeah. father. So he ends up trying his utmost best not to repeat the same mistake his own father did with his own children. So sometimes if we identify with something that is not all right, uh, we try to change it. But if we don't realize it, then we don't change it. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I think I was a bit fortunate because I had you know, a traumatic experience with my dad and stuff. And then, but when I, I, I got my, I've got three beautiful daughters. Oh, I think, yeah, they, 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 they showed me the other side of, you know, the fatherhood and stuff. Mm. So, yeah, for, so I think uh, we always have to try and find a way, you know, because at, at times parents, you know, they check out their anger on the kids and then, you know, the kids are even scared to speak to them. Very, very true. Njabulo, yeah. thank you so very much for sharing your experience with us. Drive safely on the road, okay? Cool. Thanks, Fred. And uh, good, good evening to, the, to, to Sister Jackie also there. All right, Jackie. Njabulo saying good evening to you. Good, thank you. Jackie? Correct. Hi. <laughs> He's saying uh, good evening to you. But yeah, you heard what he said. I mean, he had a traumatic childhood, but he made it a point that he's he does better with his own daughters. There's, they are so, and kudos to, to him, honestly, because changing a pattern, especially a family pattern, is difficult when you also have not healed yourself. For an example, with with my father in particular, my father was in the army and he was extremely abusive. He would beat us up for every little thing. And as you grow up, you, you sort of harbor that anger because you couldn't really retaliate because he's your parent. And you couldn't really speak because you're a child. Um, now that you're older and you've got your own kids and you're sitting and you're looking at these children, that anger, in some ways, it shows itself when you are reprimanding them, when you are telling them not to do certain things or not to go to certain places, and you end up feeling like, my goodness, I wish I could do exactly what my parents did to me so that you can feel what I feel because you're not listening or you're not taking authority well. Um so you see it spew out in different in, in different relationships as well within our friendships with our friends, that anger um, with our partners. When you look at your partner, you, you, you see your father instead of your partner. You're like, but why are you just like my father? <laughs> There's this thing that girls usually gravitate to men who are very similar to their fathers. So that as well is triggered by these childhood traumas that we never really sort of heal or understand or even get the opportunity to to address. So we inflict that pain on our children. Um, there are also women who would also say, but my mother was a drunk. Now I'm becoming an alcoholic and I never have a chance for my children. Every time they hear over the weekends, I'm drinking, I'm out with my friends. It, 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 those things, it's like you, you, you get, you're picking up habits from your, parents and you're like but i never wanted to be a drunk but because of work pressure and life and what now i drink every weekend and i never spend time with my children but this is how now we are parenting thinking that oh we have healed but we're doing exactly the same things as our parents mm. oh my goodness let's go to anonymous on the line good evening anonymous good evening to you to shine your gift and yes again Sorry, you have to come back again, but your topic is so interesting. I had no choice in the middle. No reason uh, for you to be sorry. 
Joko, I just want to say, you know, I do sympathize with parents, with, uh, with a parent, you know, with one, chi- uh, one parent child, a child with one, sorry, the other way around, a child with one parent and an orphan, uh, child, children with, uh, with no parents. I do sympathize with them. And you know what? I think our, some of our uh, children going astray, um, uh, you know, the, uh, from this, because their parents are working or they, uh, some other people are looking after them. Their grannies are taking care of them. And their grannies are like from the Stone Age world. And, you know, they still they do the other, uh, you know, the stuff that they have done in the past. So I do sympathize. And plus, these children are going astray. With, uh, when they got a problem at home, then they want to take cigarettes or drugs or something to calm their nerves and calm themselves, which is not good. And I think our teachers, our tutors in school should pay more attention to children that are often or children that uh, are one parent. Mm. Because their parents have to provide for them. They have to work sometimes and they're not there to see their child's, uh, you know, progress and their reports and whatever. Well, um, I hear you loud and clearly, Anonymous. Thank you very much for joining me. And, and for the hello? Yeah. Hello? Go ahead. And for, uh, for, uh, for Jackie, I just want to say to Jackie, always put God first and then your rest and your gym and everything else <laughs> and you will pass your exams with flying colors. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. So Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, it's true. A child is raised by a, an entire village. You know, it's not. There's so many people who influence the child's upbringing, including teachers and tutors, and grandparents and aunties and uncles. Um, but us as parents who are still capable of spending that time with children, it is important that we in still the right principles and ideologies in them so that they don't feel or live as fearful as we have. And yes, it, it is true. The, the, our country is sure, it's literally a, a war zone. Um, but with, with certain things like principles at home, with moral co- conduct, with um, our own belief systems, it's important that we instill the right things and not pass on unnecessary traumas on children. Um, but with, with yes, parents who are not there, who are busy and they've got other help, maybe a helper or a tutor or somebody, yes, also, it's you communicating with those people who aid your child to pass on the right principles and um, help, them, help you along the line. So communication in this instance is very important. Let's go uh, to a voice note. Hi, Patricia. A very interesting topic. Um, I'm a mother, and I think it's almost inevitable for one to not uh, parent through our traumas because those are the things um, that sort of guide us in terms of how we protect our children. Um, sometimes we think we're protecting them, but we're actually still very afraid of what had happened to us. Um, I was, you know, on the chubby side as a teenager, and I was always very uncomfortable in terms of the comments that mostly grown-ups would say about my body, um, you know, as if I wasn't there, you know, that feeling. And as a result, I, I'm overly protective around my my sons i especially when they're around uh, grown-ups 
I tend to sort of hover around and, you know, so I can jump in and so I can show them that nobody can speak to you this way. Although, I mean, that's not practical. I cannot be around them all the time. Um, but I think I am learning and through therapy to, you know, give them the tools to be able to, you know, defend themselves when they are being treated inappropriately. Thank you for the show, Debata from Campton Park. Thank you for sharing, Dibato. Thank you so very much for sharing some of the traumas that we go through, right? I remember I was even telling my kids this uh, because you know how little kids also at school tend to tease each other. And I was telling them how, you know, they shouldn't even pay much attention to the teasing as long as they are not the ones that instigate it. Um, I've got quite big eyes. And all of my primary school days, I was teased for it and I've got thick lips I was teased for it and you know how it is when you're in model C schools yeah, most of the people yeah. don't look like you they don't have your skin color they you know they don't have the thick lips and it was just a joke to everyone today now that's what I get complimented on oh you've got such beautiful eyes oh you've got such beautiful yeah, lips and it comes yeah. from the guys and the girls and I'm like huh Hi, Bo. Ah. When did things change? So I was telling my kids, I think this is a couple of weeks back, and I said to them, don't mind what people say about you. You are unique. You are beautiful. So I'm glad that you're getting, um, you know, counseling, but learn not to hover over your children. Instead, empower them. That's what I would say. Empower them. Tell them how you felt, because I, I, that's what I did. I told them how I felt growing up, but I was always reinforced at home that, but you, you're beautiful. You're beautiful just the way you are. You're beautiful having the hair that you have, because at some time I wanted my hair to be silky and I wanted to have a fringe. And, you know, it was just so frustrating that I've got 4C curly hair <laughs> in a school where everyone else can tie a ponytail and yeah. pondo, you know? <laughs> and at home I'd go back and I'd be told that you are beautiful, your hair is beautiful and you're unique and you're different from others. So reinforce the right thing in your children. Let them be proud of who they are instead of hovering over them because that will create another sort of anxiety in them when you are no longer able to hover. I don't know what your I take is. You. Jake. I, re I really agree with you because I mean, if I, when I was young, I really hoped that I had the modern parent. The modern parent is so active. Beauty lab. <laughs> they speak to their children. <laughs> they read to their children. Yeah. Their children have answers and questions. They've got opinions. They're given platforms to speak. I mean, when you see all these social media kids influencers that are just booming, they are vocal. They are transparent. They are. They love their bodies. They are comfortable. You know, they're doing all these extraordinary things that you would not even think that, oh, my goodness, a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old can do all of these things. So it's so beautiful to see this, this new generation of parents really helping their children own up and live boldly and, and comfortably so that they're more vocal when things happen. You know, when a child is able to say, mom... You know, Uncle so-and-so came into the house, he went into your room and he did one, two, three, as opposed to when we were young, as soon as an elder comes in, you run and you disappear to the next room because you're so scared that, oh, okay, I'm not allowed to be in the same room as this person. Mm. But now, mm. children are more vocal and more comfortable to say things. So I think we must really give kudos to the, to the modern parent who's really trying hard not to replicate the bad behaviors of, our, of, of the past generation. Are you a so parent yet? Really 
I've got nieces and nephews and godchildren. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, excellent. <laughs> I've got how many? There are nine of them. There's nine. Mm, all interesting. Under, all under the age of 10. So there's like two-year-old, three-year-old, five. Yeah, I've got nine. And I, my head is always spinning when I'm thinking <laughs> of, if all of these kids were in the same house, I would honestly die. <laughs> Trust you me, you wouldn't. I, I, I'm, I think, and everyone who knows me knows how much I love mothering. And I love raising children and young minds. And I love children. And I'm I'm already saying, Lord, man, I know it's a bit far, but let's go to our A-team at Tabang. Tabang, good evening. Good evening, how are you? Good, thank you. Please speak a bit louder. Good evening, how are you? We are good, Tabang. You can go ahead. Yes, no, uh, I'd like to talk about this thing of, of parents. You know, like I'm a person who is on a wheelchair, right? So I see a lot of parents when they have kids uh, living with a disability, they tend to, to, to protect them too much. You know, like, don't go there, don't do this. And that thing, it, it, it makes the kids not to be free. No like, not not to, to explore. Come on, come to explore. And they, they tend to be overprotective. And that overprotective, it, 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 it traumatizes anyone. Somehow. Mm. 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 Um, because, go ahead. Yeah, because what I what I saw, I saw that we have a a basketball team of kids with wheelchair in Pretoria, right? So when you go and tell the parents, look, uh, we are taking this kid because they're supposed to participate in, in a competition tomorrow. They said, no, we need to take the kids there. They are going to participate tomorrow, and this, the parents they don't want them to go there. Excuse, we don't have money and all that and all. And because we don't have a sponsor, you know, it becomes a problem that we can sponsor the kids to go there. And you know how they get disappointed. Like today, I saw the disappointment in their face when you say, no, guys, we won't go because we don't have transport for you guys. And that thing, it caused by their parents to say, no, we don't want them to go. What if they get involved in this? What if they get involved in this? It, it, it traumatizes these kids. So, Tabang, since you are also um, a person with a disability, how would you encourage parents with children with disabilities to to allow their children to explore, especially in safe environments? Because you know, I, I, I would I would tell you know what my parents did with me. They they what they did they didn't treat me like I was disabled. Like they would send me to town alone and say, go go to town and buy this. And go and do this. And I, I, I've learned to be more independent than dependent on my parents. You know, so now I can live my life the way I want and do things that a lot of kids wish that they could do, but they can't because their parents are blocking them to, to, you know, to be free, to be normal. Because I don't like this word this disabled or so-called normal people. I think it's a challenge. So they, what they must do is they must they must channel them to overcome the challenges you know mm, mm, mm. because it, it, it's very painful because we use we played basketball and even now when when there's a championship we go and play and my parents they don't even take it away i go there on my own so for these kids when they see me doing that and then they want to be part of it and when there's a competition the parents don't want them to go we go to the community community doesn't believe in disabled people you know so they don't have they don't have support around and which at least if the community was also chipping in, you know, it was going to be better. The parents will, will say, no, man, why Baba believer? Let, let me just believe it. But if your parents, Baba, you just come back from school, 
after you no going outside. You're not allowed to play outside. You must play only with friends at school. When you come back from boarding school or from school, you stay indoor. It, it, it's, it's traumatizing for these kids. Oh, it's a sad reality. Thank you for sharing. And I really do hope that the parents uh, who you interact with in community um, are listening. I really do hope so. And they can learn to just loosen up a bit and allow their children to engage in activities like basketball because it's healthy for them. It's a, it's, it's a team sport. It teaches them great discipline, great values, and it increases their self-confidence and independence. Thanks, Taban. Thank you. And if, if anyone who wants to help us with this progress, you can also take my number because we want them to go. The thing is that we don't have transport because, you know, when you take, take kids with wheelchairs, you need a taxi that has a trailer so that you can put the wheelchair at the back and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, anyone who wants to donate and assist, please do call into studio and Ben will definitely give you Tabang's number. Thanks, Tabang. Thank you. Jackie, Tabang has just narrated something very serious. And I think, you know, parents with children with, uh, with disabilities are, are parents that are faced with a huge, huge, um, you know, I'll, I'll say challenge for lack of a better word, because they want to protect their children. But on the other hand, they're doing it in a way that could, could hamper the child's growth. Yeah, they're also instilling fear in them, you know, because something as simple as, Allow the child to go to the shop and buy milk by themselves, you know. Allow the child to be with friends. Allow the child to play sports. Um, parents have this thing of saying, no, but what if... Children are supposed to go through that. It's supposed to happen. If they are, for example, Abuti Taban spoke about a wheelchair. If a child is on a wheelchair and they're unable to sort of maneuver their way around it and get used to it, you always hovering over them and pushing it for them will not aid them. You know, they're going to be so dependent on you helping them around all the time to a point where if they go to a mall, they will feel lost. They will not even know what to do. They will not even be familiar with places that they can go where they are fully accommodated because you're keeping them in your zone of comfort, forgetting that they've got their own world and own spaces and they... They are accommodated in many, many places. Um, but your fears prevent them from living because you just don't want them hurt. Um, but it, 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 it is life. It will happen that maybe they will bump something here and there. Something might not work on that day. They're still getting used to the wheelchair or any other helping aid. It will happen. Just let them be. The kids will find their way around life. It, it's the natural course. Just don't use your fear to prevent the child from living. Let's go to another voice note. Good evening to you, Patricia and Jack. Well, you are talking a very interesting subject. You know, when I grew up, I saw it in my father. How he used to beat my mother when he's drunk. How he used to treat my father, my mother. He was doing the same to us as kids. We're being beaten. We're being, you know, ill-treated with our own father. As I was growing up, I said, these things, this life pattern of my father, I don't like it when I grow up. I have never laid my hands on my wife. 
I have never laid my hand on my kids. I have never abused them. Because I say to myself, this type of life, I don't like it. So we must be very careful as parents, how we treat our kids. We mustn't treat them the way we were treated. Thank you. It's Mark on the road from Devon. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, Way in there, Jackie. Mark is uh, definitely doing the right thing. Didn't allow his trauma to, to, to continue in the way he raises his children. He's right. And kudos to him. You know, that self-control is hard to come about. Um, because sometimes you just feel, like I said earlier on, you know, we were beaten up badly when we were young. So our, our coping mechanism is literally fighting back because that's all we know. When somebody pushes you, you want to fight. When your partner does something, you want to fight. When you somebody's not in agreement with you, you want to fight. So for him, not even beating up his wife, he has changed sort of the quality of man in his family. You know, um, his kids will see it, his brothers will see it, his community will see it, and it will spiral down to say, but Abuti so-and-so never did this, even though this was done to him back in the day. So he has changed the course of the next generation, which is applaudable. Um, so it is, it's a very difficult thing to, to come about because when you have been beaten up by a father and you're a son and you see that behavior from him as the leader of the family, you end up becoming like him. And for you to change, it, it's years and years and years of counseling and, and speaking about the trauma and finding coping mechanisms and I'm glad that he has not become his own worst enemy by becoming or sort of taking his father's, father's traits that were not so positive. So it's a good thing to hear a man say that, that I do acknowledge that and I don't want to do it and I have not done it. Mm. So it's really affordable. Let's go to some of the messages here. This one says, the lady anonymous from Durban is uh, late night conversations number one listener and contributor, a teamer of note. Very interesting topic. Parenting can be very tricky indeed. This is from Mlondi Kumalo in Peter Maritzburg. While another anonymous says, hi, Patricia, some painful experience that I went through, I can't explain to my girls. I'm just protective because I don't want them to go through what I went through. And I did go for counseling. Another A-teamer here says, Thank you for the show. I never had any incidents in my childhood, but I don't feel comfortable to see my daughter playing outside the premises, walking to school or around many people, especially when there's a a function at home. Her mom even thinks that I don't trust her cautiousness towards kids. So there's many different uh, approaches here, Jackie. But as we sum up our discussion, Perhaps let's go through the things that we as parents can do to ensure that our children live within safe boundaries, but those boundaries are not governed by our childhood trauma. So there's a lot of people who say they have not experienced any form of trauma. It's good for them for them to also educate themselves on what it is because their children could experience some type of trauma so that they're in a better position of aiding the child should anything happen, God forbid, um, especially around, for an example, issues of bullying, self-hate, um, molestation, 
um, safety, there's human trafficking and all these things. So it's, it's good for them to learn and educate themselves so that they can teach children so that they, they don't find themselves in tricky situations. And then for those who have experienced traumatic experiences, it's important to find some form of counseling. You cannot harbor those ill feelings. If, if it, even if it's you just going to your parent and you discuss what has happened to you, you go to an elder and you say, okay, remember Christmas 2001 and what has happened? Can you please help me get through the situation? Because my molester is in the family. Let's find a resolve because it's still affecting me. Those are still avenues that are still open. If you're able to find an elder who can help you through a situation or find somebody who will mediate so that your situation is, you can get help, that's also an avenue. Or you can go to, to support groups. There are support groups that help different people for, for mental health, molestation, rape. There's a rape crisis center. There's also... Um, shelters where women have gone through these things, maybe you can go to one of those shelters and go assist and see how they deal with trauma, how you can help. You know, sometimes helping somebody else also helps you in turn because sometimes you might think, you might just be sitting there and thinking, oh, I'm the only one who has experienced that. But once you see other women, you become more confident. Once you see other men, you become more confident and you get advice from those people who also are going through the same thing. Don't just sit there and say, oh, well, I cannot find a psychologist, I can't find this, and decide this thing is not for me, it will not work. Sometimes helping other people will help you heal as well. Um, and then just as a society, as people, can we just be kinder when people come to us for assistance? You know, um, A lot of people don't have the resources in terms of money or they don't have medical aid or anything like that that for them to go to doctors and stuff. When somebody comes to you and says, I am facing this type of problem, can you help me? Can we have open hearts to advise and help those people where we can? Can we direct them to a potential help if we know of places that they can help? But when it comes to kids, honesty is your best policy, honestly. You have to sit your kids down and explain to them what the world is like and what could happen. And make sure that you also understand their point of view and hear them out. How do they see the um, environment? What have they seen and experienced? So that you just don't impose all this information on them, whereas they don't even understand a word that you're saying, or they're going through something and they were uncomfortable to tell you because you have never had that conversation with them. So. See, what do they really know about trauma, about rape, about getting molested, about human trafficking, about um, teachers molesting children at school, about bullying, about, you know, all of these things. Speak to them and hear what their thoughts are and where they are psychologically to see, are they ready to receive this information? Can they handle it? Do, do they teach them about these things at school? Question the teachers and see what's happening in my child's life in terms of the curriculum that could aid them in these type of conversations? What can we do to help the schools as well or the community? You know, So if we just come as in full circle and help each other out, teachers, parents, mothers, fathers, sisters, uncles, and godparents, everyone who's involved in a child's life, that child will be easily protected and will be a better citizen going out.
Oh, Jackie, on that powerful note, please give us uh, your social media handle so our A-teamers can be able to get in touch with you. So for your A-teamers who are looking for educational books for children, I've got a, a children's book series called Liwa. It's available in stores. Um, exclusive books, bargain books, and so forth. Take a lot has copies as well. If you're looking for me personally, you can go to my website, which is JackiePamosa.com. And if you are on social media, you can find me at Jackie underscore Pamosa on Instagram. And Twitter is Jackie Pamosa. And Facebook is Jackie Pamosa. It's a fan page. So it has, it has this blue tick. You'll see it. But thank you so much for having me. I think this conversation was really needed for parents and those who are in the lives of children. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us once again, Jackie. And good luck with all the exams. So much, A-teamers. See you next week. It's time for us to head on home, A-teamers. We'll leave you with great music, but do remember that Sound Awake will give you the Friday edition with Asanda Beta at 3 a.m., so make sure that you are tuned in. We are out. Our weekend officially starts now. We'll be missing you, but between now and then, we can interact on social media platforms at Patricia N. Nduli. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.